values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Coming up in about 10 minutes, our interview with Senator Kirsten Cinema. so please uh, make sure you're here for it. I um, want to go back and kind of mix a couple of topics. I read a bunch of headlines about crime and punishment, about um, people that have been arrested for crimes, not being held in jail, being released on reduced bond. We've got prosecutors across the country trying to change the rules. In Washington, D.C., they are very, very upset that this is happening because um, they think that there is a disproportionate number of people that are non-white that are in jail. So in order to reverse that, they are not punishing people and changing the punishment spectrum. And I will say to you, um, again, when it comes to crime, nobody cares. What I mean by that is if you're the victim of a crime, you are not happier if you are the victim of a crime from a white person than from a non-white person or whatever. You don't care. When you're the victim of a crime, you want that person held accountable. Uh, I bring this up because of the Supreme Court case yesterday in which the Supreme Court in Arizona ruled that the governor is under no obligation to fulfill or carry out an execution because the warrant had been issued. Now, this is not – I don't in any way hold – the court accountable. I think they are just saying this is what the Constitution says, which is what their job is. Um, I, I, I would imagine that the members of the Supreme Court of Arizona, like anybody else, have their own opinions. Their job, and it's the word in the law, is dispassionate, that they are supposed to just look at what the Constitution says and figure out whether something fits within the confines of the Constitution. Does the powers afforded to the executive branch in Arizona allow her to ignore a death warrant? Yes or no? Not good or bad? Should she or shouldn't she? Can she? And that's what they ruled. They said the Constitution allows for her. She has. She's under no obligation to carry this out. So if you're upset that it's not being carried out, it's the governor's office you should be upset with. But I would also say this. The governor was elected the governor of this state with everything you like about her and everything you don't. You get the entire package. Um, I think, and I'm going to try to do this a lot more, I am going to stop holding completely. I'm holding politicians responsible for things, especially when it happens over and over again. What I mean is um, we get what we deserve. You know, it comes to a relationship. I want you to think about people that you know um, in a relationship, in a bad relationship, in a relationship that they know has been bad for a long time, and they keep going back for more. And when it happens the first couple of times and things are not going well and they're crying on your shoulder, you're there for them, and you understand, and you're empathetic. After it happens time after time, many people are saying, well, you know what you're going to get when you go back there. And to some degree, I think as an electorate, that needs to change. If I were ever going to run for an office, I think I would try to change the electorate. I wouldn't want to get rid of the voters we have. I would want to expand the voters we have because I think it's those voices that are silent. There's a difference between people that are just silent on an issue and people that have no opinion on an issue. There are just a lot of people that don't want to be a part of what they believe is a corrupt system. That's a fact. That is just factual. They think the system is rigged or they just think the system is corrupt. They think both sides are corrupt, whether they use the term uniparty or whatever else. They think it doesn't matter who you elect. They're all crooks. And if they aren't crooks when they get there, they'll be crooks soon. So they don't want to be a part of the process. But this governor isn't doing anything that surprises me. 
And let's be honest. I didn't think that Governor Hobbs was in favor of the death penalty. She said different. She is following through with what she says she believes, which is what she's supposed to do as governor. I don't agree with her. I don't agree with her at all. I think that it's horrible to let the family of these victims suffer one more day than necessary with what's happened. But this is the ideology of who we've elected. And if you disagree with enough of what somebody says they are going to do when elected, um, it's time to do something else. You know, it's time to do something else. Um, and uh, so it is just it, it to me, it's it's fascinating. I, I think that it's a fascinating thing to do. Um, so what we're going to do, you know, uh, moving forward, I think I'm going to try to hold people accountable in a different way. And it's got to be us, us as voters. We have to be better informed. We have to be less likely to just vote for people and things that we like. We have to be willing to hurt people's feelings or to go in a different direction with people. Um, it, it just isn't uh, necessarily the way it's supposed to be. Um, I got to give you a little quick programming note because we were obviously every day at 1120 we do a segment we call Did You Hear This? It's something catching people up on the big news stories. We had a scheduling conflict with Senator Cinema, and Senator Cinema wasn't able to join us at 1105 so we had to move it to 1115 so that's what we're going to do. Um, we are going to have Senator Cinema instead of Did You Hear This? today. Uh, I think it's going to be a valuable conversation about banks and about the border and about other things pertaining to the state of Arizona where she stands on issues, what she plans on doing about issues, and all of those things. So I think that all of that, it's going to be a great conversation. We're going to do it coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Oh, it feels like I've been waiting for this forever. Joining me right now is Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema. Senator, welcome. Hey, how are you, Mike? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you for making the time. I know it's been a scheduling thing, but it's, it's great to talk to you. It is great to be back with you. I've missed you. You know, I thought Matt Sam was going to come in and take your job. Well, if you keep coming on with him instead of me, he just might. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't um, worry, Mike. Let's. Uh, I want to talk about some important issues, and I know you do as well. I want to start with the border issue. Um, Secretary Mayorkas was here visiting with the governor and made some statements about things that are going to happen with fentanyl and this new program about fentanyl intervention. But he also, when talking about the border, made a comment about Congress needs to reform immigration and our border laws, basically putting the ball back in your court. Was that a fair thing to say? And if so, what are we doing about it? Well, Mike, I'm so glad you've asked that question because the reality is, is the Biden administration could be doing more to ensure security in our southern border. And that is just a categorical fact. Um, however, that being said, I think Secretary Marcus is right when he says that Congress needs to take action to reform our laws. So that's why I recently visited um, President Lopez Abrador in Mexico with my good friend, Senator John Cornyn from Texas and other senators and members of the House from around the country, specifically to talk about issues around the southern border migration and the broken asylum laws in our country that currently allow cartels like Sinaloa to choose who gets to come to the U.S., through which ports of entry, when. They're making these decisions, not us. 
Do you think you're making headway or did you make headway with the president of Mexico? Because it seems like when we saw that horrible tragedy, the Americans that were just killed down there, he seemed to be kind of pushing back about any kind of involvement or intervention in the U.S. Well, our meeting on, on Sunday was actually very productive. We spent five hours directly with President Lopez Obrador and his cabinet. And during those five hours, we together, we as American members of Congress in the Senate, um, talked to him about prioritizing cooperation for safety, for security, and economic prosperity. And it was a very productive conversation about our relationship, the parts that are working well, parts that need improvement, and how both of our nations benefit when we're cooperating and working together. The big one of the biggest issues in America, as I know you well know, is the fentanyl epidemic It is killing so many young people. And it is coming through ports of entry brought in by Americans many times, but it's being produced by the cartels in Mexico. What was the cooperation level and the belief that this is the biggest issue facing both their country and ours? Well, first, this is probably the most productive part of the entire conversation last weekend was a discussion around where those chemicals are coming from. So everyone probably knows that fentanyl is completely made up of chemicals that are mixed together and then pressed into small pills. And those chemicals almost exclusively come from China. We call them precursor chemicals. Some of them have legitimate uses for other purposes, and some of those chemicals exist solely to make fentanyl. So we talked about the importance of working together, the U.S. and Mexico, to stop the importation of these precursor chemicals from China into Mexico through their maritime ports. Those are their water ports. So what's happening is those chemicals come by boat into Mexico. They are turned into fentanyl in Mexico, pressed into pills, and then smuggled up into the U.S., mostly through Arizona and Texas. And the most important part of this conversation, I thought, was when um, President Lopez Obrador committed to, to all of us, working together hand in hand to hold China accountable for those precursor chemicals and to stop the flow of those chemicals into Mexico. Yeah, that is that would be uh, that would be huge. Joining us is Senator Kirsten Cinema. I'd like to shift to another policy uh, change, or I shouldn't say I would say a proposal from the White House, and that's the uh, the president's budget. It includes a tax increase, and you, I'm sure you've seen it. It's it's a big number. How do you feel about the president's budget, and and what changes do you think need to be made if it's going to get passed through Congress? Well, Mike, this isn't going to surprise you when I tell you that members of Congress pay no attention to the president's budget. <laughs> That's true under this president. It was true under the last president. It was true under the president before that. So Congress is the body that forms the budget and the appropriations bills. We pass the spending um, priorities for this country, not the executive. And so, you know, I've haven't read it. I've not paid attention to it because it's not relevant to the work that we're doing in Congress. We will pass this budget. So let's talk about banks for a moment. Um, I know we're a long way off from the campaign. We haven't even talked about running for re-election, but the the candidate for the Democratic Party has called you out about uh, Wall Street values and the banking system. Let's get into what needs to be done with banking and how do you want to respond to some of the accusations that have been made about you? Well, this is no surprise, Mike, but immediately after the Silicon Valley Bank failed, there was partisan rhetoric um, exploding on both sides of the aisle about what went wrong and who was at fault. The reality is that within several days, the facts became more clear. There was clear mismanagement on the part of the bank. 
And regulators dropped the ball by failing to conduct proper oversight, which they have the authority and the mandate to do. So it's clear that the Fed had the tools it needed to properly regulate this bank, including explicit authority in federal statute to put stronger regulation and stronger oversight on the bank if the Fed saw fit. Now, look, it chose not to use those tools that Congress gave them, despite the evidence going back all the way back in 2019 from mismanagement on the part of the bank. So it's clear that we need to understand why the regulators failed to use the tools that they had at their disposal. So this will surprise no one. Rather than, you know, doing press conferences or talking about it on TV, I'm a workhorse. So I immediately got to work. I've already led a bipartisan letter to the Fed demanding answers on their oversight and asking how they examined the concentration risks that exist in this bank. I also co-sponsored a bill called the Deposit Act, which claws back the stock sales and bonuses that were awarded to those executives right before the failure of the bank. And I'm working with a bipartisan group of senators on legislation that would allow for more congressional oversight of our regulators. And next week, as I hope you'll see, I'll be participating in a Senate Banking Committee, which I serve on, where I'm going to question these regulators directly about why they didn't use their existing legal authority to properly oversee the bank. I hope I'm looking forward to see how all of that turns out, because I think this is a lot of people are very concerned about it. I know you're on a time constraint. My last question for you has to do with this political story. And I don't want to get in the mud, but I want to know there's a question now about where you will caucus as an independent. And can you give an answer? Would you if, if the Republicans took over, would you caucus with the Republicans if there were committee assignments? Is it something you would consider? Can you remain? Can you retain your independence having to choose one side or the other to caucus with? Well, Mike, Arizonans can always count on me to retain my independence. It's been that way my entire career of nearly 20 years of serving Arizona. And what they can absolutely count on is that I'll continue to do that. Despite pressure from either political party or the talking heads, I will always be who I've said I was going to be and who you and Arizonans have seen me be during all this time, which is an independent voice for Arizona. Will, will you choose one side or the other to caucus with? Well, right now, uh, I am happy to say that I'm an independent who shows up every single day, works just for the state of Arizona. Uh, I don't participate in either of the caucus lunches, and that won't change. Senator, I appreciate the time as always. I hope you'll come back soon, and I'd like to get a catch up on these issues you just addressed and how they're, how they're moving along as you try to get them done. Absolutely. Looking forward to talking to you again soon, Mike. All right. Thanks. That is Senator Cinema joining us for a few moments. Um, and we've got a lot of ground to cover with this coming up in a moment. We'll kind of recap what we've heard here before we close out the next segment. But that was a few minutes with Senator Cinema talking about border issues, visiting with the Mexican president, which I think is a good move. And then also addressing the banking issue and how we stabilize those regional and smaller banks to lend more confidence in the banking systems here in the U.S. So coming up in a moment, a little recap on that. And uh, we'll shift gears also back to uh, uh, are we losing our minds next? Strong 
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. A couple of really uh, interesting interviews today. Kristen Bench joined me in the 9 o'clock hour, or I'm sorry, in the 8 o'clock hour. And then uh, we just had a conversation with Senator Kirsten Cinema, and it was fascinating. A lot of good information and some things I, I didn't know. I did not know that Senator Cinema had visited with the Mexican president and was talking about cooperation between our countries. One of the things I was most disappointed about recently has been the rhetoric coming from the president of Mexico because there is such a – Not just a relationship, but a reliance on each other when it comes to our two countries. To have um, volatility, to have violence, instability in Mexico is bad for all of North America, especially the U.S. and border states. Uh, Number one trading partner for Arizona is Mexico. As a nation, we are a huge trading partner. So a stable, prosperous Mexico bodes well for the U.S. It bodes well for uh, for North America as a whole, especially with the new agreement in the USMCA playing such a big role in our economies. Um, We know that the fentanyl epidemic, we are not going to be able to take that on alone. It is not possible for us to to do something about this um, unless there's some kind of an incursion into Mexico militarily, which isn't going to happen. So uh, we talked with uh, Senator Sinema, and she talked about her visit with the Mexican president. I just want to refresh your memory. This is what she said. I recently visited um, President Lopez Abrador in Mexico with my good friend, Senator John Cornyn from Texas and other senators and members of the House from around the country, specifically to talk about issues around the southern border, migration and the broken asylum laws in our country that currently allow cartels like Sinaloa to choose who gets to come to the U.S., through which ports of entry, when. They're making these decisions, not us. And I think that is a very valid point on this. Um, And she talked about how productive this meeting was with him, especially when it comes to this. We spent five hours directly with President Lopez Obrador and his cabinet. And during those five hours, we together, we as American members of Congress in the Senate, um, talked to him about prioritizing cooperation for safety, for security, and economic prosperity. And it was a very productive conversation about our relationship, the parts that are working well, parts that need improvement, and how both of our nations benefit when we're cooperating and working together. So this is, uh, I think, is a big step. And I will say to you that this is where, um, and I don't want to cross too many lines here, but when you hear Senator Sinema talk about this, wouldn't we love to have heard and seen this from the vice president of the United States? The vice president of the United States is the one that's been charged with the border issue. Now, I don't believe that this visit, um, and this is a respectful response, I don't believe that this visit is a cure-all to what's going on in Mexico. But when you have senators from the United States government, Senator Cinema from Arizona, Senator Cornyn from Texas, when you have them, and these are also major states and major trading partners with Mexico as an individual state or states, um, this is a big deal to them. And to get that meeting and say it was productive, I think is matters. Uh, how many of you, uh, show of hands, how many of you would have loved to have heard Vice President Harris 
got on a plane and went and had a meeting with the president to discuss what they're going to do about the uh, the system for asylum and what they're going to do about the importation and creation of fentanyl. So as, as the senator described it, you know, they bring in these drugs. Uh, I'm sorry, these ingredients from China. Some of them which are uh, have other uses and some of them are only used in the production of fentanyl. And those ones that are only used in the production of fentanyl to hold China accountable for the importation of those so that the cartels can make those drugs. So now you've got the president of Mexico saying they're going to hold China or help hold China accountable in that regard. That's that's good news. I would say as an American, it's easy for me to jump up and down and I will do it. I promise you it's going to happen. I will jump up and down and I will shout my political belief. In this case, whether I agree with them or not, the vice president has been charged with fixing the border issue, and she has been completely and utterly absent. The White House is not doing this. What's interesting is the uh, Secretary Mayorkas said that this issue has to be fixed by Congress. And Senator Sinema said this administration, other administrations, not doing enough. There's a lot more that they can be doing. So pushing back a little bit, but saying, you're right, there's things we should do. And here's what we're doing. We're having meetings with the president of Mexico. We're talking about how Mexico can help and be more cooperative when it comes to the immigration part of this and when it comes to the drug smuggling part of this. Those are productive meetings, but why are we not seeing that from the executive branch? And again, all of you out there that are supporters of this president um, or, or his party, you've got, you should be asking the same question. You should be asking the same question. Why is it that you've got senators, Republican and Democrat senators, making these visits, and we've heard nothing from the vice president of the United States? I think that 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 silence is deafening. I think that's absolutely deafening. And so um, when this, so that was part of the productive conversation. The other thing that we talked about was the banking part of it. And um, she talked about changes that are being proposed and discussed. But what was interesting is holding accountable the regulators that had the authority to do this. So here is an answer to her. How is she working on this failure with SVB? I've already led a bipartisan letter to the Fed demanding answers on their oversight and asking how they examined the concentration risks that exist in this bank. I also co-sponsored a bill called the Deposit Act, which claws back the stock sales and bonuses that were awarded to those executives right before the failure of the bank. So, uh, again, I don't know what the solutions are, but the two-pronged approach that she spoke of, one is, why didn't they use the tools at hand? How many times have we made this argument, and I think it's a valuable argument, where um, when it comes – I am not a gun control advocate by any measure, um, but I will say that we should be enforcing our existing laws. And in essence, that's what Senator Sinema is saying about the regulators. Regulators have been giving a lot of power to regulate and that they didn't do it. They didn't. The regulators were not overseeing in the ways they should have. And she wants answers as to why they didn't. But in the areas where changes can be made, there's proposed changes that are coming. Now, again, um, you know, we are going to see as we move forward what works and what doesn't. But I was encouraged to hear, especially when it came to Mexico, 
that Senator Cinema is saying we are going to hold people accountable. And the Mexican president told us that he's going to help us hold China accountable for the mixture, for the chemicals that are used, these precursor chemicals that are used to make fentanyl. And it's it seems like a no brainer. Will the White House jump on board? I think that is the largest question that we face is, are we going to see the White House jump on board? with this and I don't know the answer to that question if you want to know the truth Um, before we close it out we're going to talk about uh, military recruiting, but there's a reason for it, and I think it's something you need to hear at a time when the world seems to be moving or inching closer and closer to conflict. Are we weakening the U.S., and why if we are? And it's connected to an event that I was at last night that I think is very important. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Um, thanks for spending part of your day with us. Uh, been a, been a busy day on the show, kind of an emotional day. Uh, last night, I was with uh, the Paestua family. Um, Lori Paestua, you may remember Lori Paestua, March twenty third of two thousand three, twenty years ago today. Uh, Lori Paestua was the first Native American woman ever killed in combat in in the U.S. And um, it was uh, last night was the dinner this morning. They had a, a sunrise service, and I got to spend the evening not just with the Piestua family, but other Gold Star families. There's a story I watched last night in the news when I got back <clears throat> from the dinner, and it was about recruiting in the military and how they're falling well short of their goals and people asking questions why that is. And I've got my own set of opinions on that, and I don't want to mix politics with such a, a, a respectful day as we have. Have now, for those of you new to Arizona, there is a mountain on the 51 in Shea in that area, 51 in northern. Uh, it is called Piestua Peak, and it is named appropriately named after Lori Piestua. And um, she, uh, you know, she she is a uh, symbol of so many things that are great about our country. And um, her mother Percy and her father, who passed away, I think in 2017, were just the kindest people. Her mom was there last night, and there was uh, hundreds of people in this room to pay tribute to Lori and other Gold Star families. And it's it's almost like a cathartic feeling in that room when you're around people that have suffered the same kind of loss. And for a woman, uh, and I'm talking about Lori's mom. Uh, Percy, for someone who could be just so internalized in her grief and be served during her time of grief, she chose to serve others and especially other Gold Star families and have them recognized and honored at this event. So it was her saying that this isn't just a day for me to remember, but made it about everybody else. And I think if the military wants to get back to its recruiting goals, uh, my humble opinion is that you need to start focusing on that again. I think people are starved for community. I think people are starved for contribution and people are starved for purpose. And the military can give people all of that. And the respect that was shown in that room, and there were kids in that room that were very young and there were adults in that room that were elderly. And everybody was in there with a common idea and a common cause. Yes, it was about Lori Piestua, um, but it also was about the military as a whole and about families like mine who have lost uh, members of the military. Somber for me um, 
my brother, the anniversary of my brother's death will be 20 years in May, but his birthday is today. He would be 54 years old today, my brother Tom. Um, and, of course, I think about often what we all would be doing because we are such a close family. My youngest, my surviving brother, Brian, and I are still very, very close. Uh, that's just a dumb thing to even say. We're, we're more than that. I mean, he is my best friend. He's the person I've always admired the most, even though he's the youngest of the brothers. But all three of us um, – you know, to say we were inseparable, that's not true. Tom lived all over the country, and we fought like cats and dogs when we were kids. But there was always um, – we always were very close, which makes the loss worse. But um, I bring this up be- in, in t- twofold. Um you have so much – you feel like you've lost so much because you had so much to lose is is the, what it keeps popping into my mind. I am so thankful for what I had, which makes the loss feel even deeper. Um, and so in honoring Lori Paestua last night and this morning when they did it, I was not there. It was a sunrise service that I couldn't attend. Um it was a healing process for a lot of Gold Star families to look around last night and see that there were people that not only hadn't forgotten, but thought it was important enough to give up an entire evening to be there. And I would say to everyone out there, especially if you're a young person who happens to be listening to this, um, ask yourself if something like that were to happen to you, um, what would make strangers come and, and pay tribute? I know it, you don't do things for strangers, but you do things for your community. What is it that you can do that will ever give you that feeling of success like knowing you make a difference? And so if I were talking to military recruiters, and I put this call out there because one of the depressing things in this story is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was accused. It was an accusation that she had been a part of a military recruitment event. And she said, me? You think I'd do that? Are you kidding? Not me. And I thought, wow, that's such a, a foreign idea. Um, if there's anybody out there that's a military recruiter, I would love to help you. Uh, you know, I, I, whatever. I, I don't care. Um, I say that because it. We when we say we send our best and our brightest, that has always been true. Um, we just have less and less of our best and brightest that we even consider it. And I think a part of it is that lack of direction. And and I hope that that changes. Um, the event re- renewed my faith last night in seeing how many people showed up, realizing what that sacrifice meant to our country and what it meant to the Piestua family and what it meant to the state of Arizona and to the Native American community. There were there were Native American from all over the country that showed up last night. It was a touching event, so I, I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of it. Um, big thank you to Senator Cinema and to uh, Kristen Bentz. Please go back and listen to both interviews. It'll be on the podcast today. You can follow me at BroomheadKTAR on Twitter. That's my personal handle. At Broomhead Show updates you on our guests and things happening on the show. And if you're an Instagram user, Mike Broomhead, all one word is where you can find me there. Back tomorrow morning just after 8 a.m. I hope you can join me for part of your day, and thank you for joining Joining me for part of this one. Have a great day. God bless.